Lord, whose love through humble service bore the weight of human need. Grace and peace to you this afternoon from God our Father and from our loving Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is an opening <coughs> paragraph uh, for each of the sermons uh, week in and week out. <coughs> And I'd like to share that with you right now. And it reads, Today we gather and listen to Jesus. In the upper room with his disciples, he takes an argument about glory and turns it into an invitation for service. Jesus knows that his people often get things wrong. From the Israelites who elevated their worship of God over the God they worshiped, to the disciples who placed their following of the Lord over the Lord they followed. God's people frequently struggle with glory and service. Today, Jesus has gathered his disciples for the Passover. And yet, as he looks over the room, he witnesses division and strife. The disciples are broken apart by arguments over greatness and glory. Into this place of broken discipleship, Jesus brings the wholeness of salvation. His body and his blood, his betrayal and his death, Transform the upper room from a place of strife over glory to a place of glorious service. The section of the gospel that I'd like to highlight <clears throat> begins with verse 24, and again, this is in Luke chapter 22, where we read, Also a dispute among them arose as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Mm -hmm. Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. We pray. Gracious God, may our hearts and our minds be open to your words this afternoon so that we receive what you are offering put into practice what you are teaching us, and that we find life and all hope in what you promise us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. But I am among you as one who serves, says Jesus. The season of Lent can kind of be considered a 
uh, as a, a season of trade-offs, where we trade something we consider pleasant or enjoyable, like those cookies out there. <laughs> we trade something pleasant or enjoyable to us for that time spent focused on God. We trade out a luxury and replace that time with focus on God. On God's love in Jesus Christ. On our Savior's sacrifice. On prayer or in prayer. Or in spiritual reflection. I enjoy classic rock music. <laughs> and four of the eight preset stations on my car radio are rock stations. The other four are Christian stations. So during the 40 days of Lent, I have chosen to give up those four rock stations and tune in exclusively to the God and Jesus stations. Just as an example of exercising a trade-off during the Lenten season. Spend a lot of time in my car, a lot of time with the radio on, and it's taken some doing, but I have resisted <laughs> and stayed with the four Christian stations. And while listening to one of the Christian talk shows here in the last couple of days, the host drew attention to the fact that Billy Graham had died two years ago, and that his funeral was on that specific day two years ago. Billy Graham was considered America's pastor. Everybody knows about Billy Graham, but Billy Graham did not seek greatness or glory as reflected in a biography that I have in our library here, a biography written after his death, and the book is entitled, Billy Graham, An Ordinary Man Who Served an Extraordinary God. Billy Graham had glory and service in their proper perspective. The Lord gets the glory for serving us with his life. And we, in turn, are grateful servants of that gospel. But sadly, humanity rarely gets that right. The artist Rembrandt chose to paint the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac 
and he chose to do it twice. Twice he tried to help others see what faith looks like. And the first time, Rembrandt made a grand painting. This was early in his life. Rembrandt was famous. His halls were filled with students, and his studio was filled with clients. His painting, this first one of Abraham and Isaac, was over six feet tall and four feet wide. His artistry was elegant. And as you look at the painting, you're struck by the strong faith of Abraham. Rembrandt has painted a hero of faith, larger than life. Abraham's faith and Rembrandt's glory are kind of blended into one. Twenty years later, however, Rembrandt, Rembrandt returns to this same subject but as a different man. His wife had died. Three of his four children had died. His family life was in ruins. And less than a year later, he would declare bankruptcy. <clears throat> Broke and broken. His picture of faith now was much different. <clears throat> this time the picture was small. Actually, it was an etching, only about six inches by five inches. And as you look at the etching, <clears throat> Abraham's boldness following God is subdued. All you see in this picture is his love for his child, Isaac. Rembrandt no longer paints a, a hero of the faith larger than life. Instead, he draws a small picture of a servant of God whose service is humble whose service is obedience. And to me, this shows two ways of seeing faith. Faith mixed with glory and faith small and weak and humble. In some ways, it captures what's going on in our text today. In our text, we're in the upper room as Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. And in this short moment between Jesus and his disciples, <clears throat> we see those two visions of faith. Faith mixed with glory. Faith small and humble. It is the disciples who reveal the faith mixed with glory. As we read in verse 24, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. 
While Jesus is predicting his death, they're arguing about greatness. As Jesus moves toward his humble death, his disciples are grasping for a prideful life. As Jesus welcomes dishonor, his disciples wrangle over honor. As Jesus speaks about suffering, his disciples are arguing about glory. As we heard in our second reading, Dr. Krauss shared, this also happened in Corinth. The Apostle Paul, I appeal to you that there be no divisions among you, for it's been reported to me that there is quarreling among you. Mm -hmm. Here you have a church blessed with a new faith and a multitude of gifts, and in such a place was their peace known. God's people were too busy arguing about all of the gifts and the leaders and trying to see which was the greatest. Satan wants us to turn against each other. He even tries to turn our blessings and our gifts into things that cause division. And the real tragedy in all of this is that we end up missing the very thing that God wants us to see. Mm -hmm. His caring presence among us mm -hmm. and his work of loving service. Mm -hmm. The one work that is greater than any, mm -hmm. that anyone has ever known. The humble work of his saving service. It is in Jesus that we have the true picture of greatness. When his disciples argue over greatness, Jesus reveals faith in humble service. He asks his disciples a question, who's greater? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? And then Jesus calls their attention to his actions. He is the one who serves. And not only has he served them at the table, but he is going to serve them as he suffers betrayal and dies on the cross. Here, hidden in this service, is the greatness of God. Jesus identifies with that which is least in this world, becoming the crucified one, rejected by the world, rejected by the religious leaders, rejected essentially by his disciples. Yet in that rejection, he lovingly and faithfully holds on to every last sinner, every last fallen child of God. And through his death, the least are brought into the kingdom of God. 
You are a child of God, forgiven of sin and safe in the embrace of God. God the Father extends his hand over you and gives you his greatest blessing in that he saves you from eternal death by the death of Jesus, his son. As children of God, we don't know the future. We don't know the struggles that it might bring. But Jesus wants you to know the comfort of his service for you for all of time. Although one will betray him, another deny him, Satan divide them, and although we too have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there is one who comes among, among us and brings us the true glory of God. Jesus reveals God's glory, and he does so in suffering service. He comes to fulfill all that God has planned. He goes to the cross and offers his life that he might come this day and offer forgiveness to you and to me. In Jesus, God has brought us into a kingdom that death, the devil and all our prideful arguments I am among you as one who serves, says Jesus, and serve he has with his very life that we might receive the greatness of heaven. In our servant Savior's holy name, amen. Amen.